Welcome into this week's edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast alongside SunDevilSource.com publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Chris, last week we debuted our new spring and summer series for the podcast, and that is our Pac-12 draft rankings, our Pac-12 power rankings, where we go through each position group and preview what we expect from each position group and teams in the Pac-12. And really the goal of this project is to put into context how Arizona State stacks up compared to teams around the conference. And last week we began with quarterbacks and running backs, and ASU really middle of the conference in terms of the quarterback play we expect from the Sun Devils next season. The Sun Devils have a good opportunity to have one of the better backfields in the conference. Once again, I, I like the fact that this is a um, very passive, non-invasive way for, for people to understand what the talent is like in the league. You can get in your car, drive to work, be halfway absent-minded and uh, learn who all the players are at every position group and who has strength in what areas of their team, see how ASU compares and all of that. If you didn't get a chance to listen to uh, us talking about the quarterbacks, which is uh, about as talented a group as we've seen probably in in years. Uh, And then also the running backs, I would say, go ahead and give that a listen. And today, uh, as you said, Kerry, we'll be getting into uh, a couple other positions. Yeah, wide receivers and tight ends are the position groups that we'll do today. Not a whole lot of talent back at wide receiver for the Pac-12 conference. So many of the conference's best players were top draft picks this year. You look at John Ross going in the top 10 out of Washington, one of the conference's best players a season ago. USC loses Juju Smith-Schuster and Darius Rogers. The Sun Devils, of course, lost Tim White. So a lot of teams rebuilding at the wide receiver position, and it's made for an interesting process in terms of how we've compiled our rankings. And then at the tight end position, there's quite a few teams in the conference who don't even use tight ends Washington State and Cal uh, didn't use too many tight ends with their air raid offenses a season ago and then you look at some of the other teams in the conference a team like Oregon lost the top three tight ends on its depth chart so that has also made for a bit of a challenge in terms of compiling our rankings but we're set to go we're looking forward to this and we're going to do the best job we possibly can to prepare you for the 2017 season yeah just to underscore that point if you look at the all pack 12 players from last year um, you have Gabe Marks, John Ross, first team wide receivers, Chad Hansen, Juju Smith-Schuster, second team. All those guys were, were uh, are now headed to the NFL. Uh, and then you have uh, a tight end. The Farrell Brown was uh, at Oregon, was the first team, and Nate Yessi was uh, the second team at UCLA. They were both seniors. So it just illustrates uh, how much talent has actually cycled out of the Pac-12 Um and especially as we get into the tight ends, as you said, it's pretty sparse there. There are still a number of wide receivers, though, who um, are capable of being uh, all, all uh, not only obviously at the top of the all pack 12, but uh, but also uh, maybe contend for All-American status. Yeah, absolutely. And let's let's kick this off with the wide receivers group. We'll go through a draft once again. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this process, I'll start with the first overall pick, draft the wide receiver group that I think is the best and deepest if I were compiling my own team. Uh, and then Chris will follow up with the second pick, and we'll alternate back and forth. And then when we do the tight ends, Chris will have the first pick, and I'll take the second, and so on and so forth. So, Chris, I know that it was a coveted spot to have the number one spot on the top of the draft board for our wide receiver group, and that's because we think that Colorado, far and away, is the best wide receiver group in the conference. The Buffaloes under Mike McIntyre return 
returned their top four receivers from a season ago. You look at that team, and it's got Shea Fields, Devin Ross, Bryce Bobo, Jay McIntyre. I even like their fifth wide receiver, Kavion Ento, who was a junior college transfer, only had eight catches last year. But you look at the way that those receivers complement one another. Ross is a possession guy, 69 catches for 787 yards a season ago. Shea Fields is your deep threat, 56 for 883 last year. He had nine touchdowns. And Bryce Bobo had a very solid season as well, 44 catches for 548 yards. Colorado top to bottom, in our opinion, is the best receiver group in the conference. Pretty easily the number one choice and, and, and by a comfortable margin. Look at the honorable mentions who are returning in the Pac-12 from last year at wide receiver. Only three teams uh, are referenced there. And, uh, of course, Nikhil Harry uh, and Colorado actually has three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Andrews at UCLA is the other. Um, so I think that that's by far and away the best wide receiver group. I like all three of those guys, and they're, they're poised to have another potent uh, season. So Nick, you're up on the clock next, and uh, second pick. We haven't talked about this. We don't know what our rankings look like, but we did talk about Colorado because it was such an obvious choice. So I'm curious to see who you go with here because I thought that two through six was pretty difficult to rank. I actually had a really hard time with this. I thought two, three, and four for me were especially tight. I ended up going with Washington. Um, I picked Washington because uh, you have the most established returning wide receiver in terms of um, his uh, red zone capability and overall uh, playmaking ability uh, and, and Dante Pettis. Um, and, and also I like their, their um, ancillary pieces that they have to work with um, in um, Chico McClatcher. You have this versatile type player who's like a move back, who can catch the ball, run the ball. Uh, he's really uh, shifty and quick in space. Uh, Aaron Fuller, I think, is a solid player who's uh, kind of just kind of getting used to uh, playing at a high level. And then um, and then they had Quinton Pounds also, um, who had uh, decent production last season. So because they have depth and they have that, one really true standout player in Dante Pettis at the top who had 53 catches, 15 touchdown receptions, 822 yards. Uh, I just felt like that was, um, that, that, would, that was the go-to for me, even, even with the team losing the most dynamic playmaker in the league in John Ross. I'll say this. I also had Washington ranked second, so it's good to see that we lined up there. I'm curious to see how Dante Pettis does when he doesn't have John Ross on the field next to him. I think that's going to be a big challenge to grow into the number one receiver role, but last year he proved he was a great, consistent red zone target for Jake Browning in that Huskies offense, and so Washington was nine, my number two pick as well. We'll see if we deviate here in the third slot. It's my turn, and I'm going to take the team that we took at the top of the draft board for the quarterbacks and running backs, and that's USC. It's hard to keep the Trojans out of the top three on a year-in, year-out basis. Yes, they lose Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, they also lose Darius Rogers, but they bring back Deontay Burnett, Stephen Mitchell, and of course, they sign so many great talents at wide receiver each year this year the head of the class was joseph lewis a five-star receiver who will likely end up contributing immediately michael Pittman was also a highly touted guy who uh, stands to take on a larger role this season 
bringing back Deontay Burnett, 56 catches for 622 yards last season, really is their third guy. He has that relationship with Sam Darnold, who I think is going to have another outstanding season. Steven Mitchell last year was 24 catches, 226 yards. Expect him to take on a larger role. Just on principle, I can't really have USC outside my top three. So in most years, I I would have USC one or two, I would say. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, this year, I, I think there it's a little bit down and I say that because I don't know that they have that uh, that that potent star power player that you've tended to have that guy who you look at as being an all-American wide receiver pretty easily um, so I did not have USC uh, third on my list so we did deviate there of course, I figured we might I, th- I knew that I probably was overvaluing them but you might not just be just on tradition well you might not be we'll find out I mean I like I, I like I like their players. Like I said, I just don't necessarily think that they have that star. Now maybe Joseph Lewis comes in as a five star prospect, lights the world on fire. That's hard to do, obviously. So um, I'm I'm with my pick. I'm I'm very uh, torn between two programs. You could probably guess the two, maybe not. I don't know, but um, I'm gonna go with Cal. Okay. Here. I, yeah. And and the reason I'm going with Cal is because. In Demetrius Robertson, you have, in my opinion, the best NFL prospect uh, in the Pac-12 wide receiver. He started kind of slow last year, and he just got better and better. I saw rapid acceleration in the second half of this season from a route running standpoint. I think he's the most explosive player at that size. Um, I just, um, at, at, at the risk of revealing who my next in line would be, I, I look at Demetrius Robertson and Nikhil Harry, and I try to evaluate who I think is, is going to be a better receiver long long term. I think that Robertson actually has more upside. Uh, and and so that was the pick. But also there are complementary pieces there at Cal. I think Melquis Stovall mm-hmm. is a, a, a versatile type of, of move back. Um, you look at Jordan Vesey. He, I thought, came on last year. Raymond Hudson played well at times. Um, those guys, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a 70% pass offense, but those guys produce at a pretty good clip. 42 catches for Stovall, 25 for Vesey, uh, Brandon Singleton, I think is talented. So, um, it was very, very close between Cal and ASU for me, but I went with Cal. I actually had Cal ranked fourth as well. So I had USC third, Cal fourth, and then Arizona State fifth. So the Sun Devils will be the next team off of my board. Really liked Cal because of Demetrius Robertson, like you said. And I also think that Stovall is uh, just really versatile in the slot role that they play. I let I let the Bears slip behind the uh, Trojans in my rankings because I thought that Sam Darnold is so much further ahead of whoever wins that Cal starting quarterback job. And that's probably not fair to base a receiver group off of who the quarterback is, but production is production. It's so. hard to keep that out of your mind. Exactly. Part of the process. Yeah. But, but I'll go with the fifth pick and I, I will take ASU off the board here. Nikhil Harry, obviously the headliner for the group, but then you and I both love John Humphrey and we think that he could be poised for a big season for the Sun Devils has sat out the first two seasons of his college career. 2015 at Oklahoma before transferring to ASU in 2016. He's sudden, he's quick, he's versatile, he can give you everything you want in a Z receiver. Uh, And if he starts off hot, I think he'll continue to be hot. And he has all Pac-12 potential as a sophomore for the Sun Devils, one of the uh, most exciting players, I think, on this ASU roster. And then you look at my other guy is Jalen Harvey, that I really like what he brings to the table, especially from a 
a blocking perspective. Uh, Harvey is the type of player that you want 11 of on the field at, at one time. And I think if you asked ASU coaches what one player they wish that they had multiple copies of, it would be Jalen Harvey because of the mentality he brings to the table and the the, uh, the work ethic that he's demonstrated at practice over the last year. He's really matured uh, in the program. Then you look further down the depth chart for the Sun Devils. Obviously, we know a bit more about this team because uh, we've been covering it all spring. And you see Kyle Williams, who has great potential, Terrell Chapman, both sophomores as well, Ryan Newsom, a slot guy along with Harvey, and then Ryan Jenkins down the depth chart. So it's a very complete group of receivers for ASU, a lot of guys who can give this team a lot of versatility, a lot of flexibility on offense, and will certainly be able to help out whoever wins that starting quarterback job. Yeah, relatively speaking, ASU is better positioned at receiver than it has been in um, recent years, and I think you know you can make a, a reasonable case that ASU could be fourth or fifth or maybe even third. I don't know, but um, but it's pretty closely compacted. I think between those teams and. In six, the sixth spot, which is where I have this this next draft pick, it came down to two schools. I ended up going with Washington State. I felt like uh, in Tavares Martin, they have a, a player who has the the ability to be a high volume target, very similar to what Gabe Marks was able to do in his career. Um, and Robert Lewis, I liked last year quite a bit, actually. Um, is Washington state, a lot of it system based. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, those guys are out there and they're running routes and they're producing at a high level. And I don't expect there to be much of a drop off overall. And it's hard to not have Washington state at least in the middle of your, of your, your league as a result. And so that's what, that's my, that's my pick there. Something that I find interesting about the fifth and sixth teams on our draft ASU and Washington state is I think that these two teams are actually deeper one through five, one through six than some of the teams further up on the board, like USC or uh, even Cal as well. I think that these teams have guys in that fifth or sixth receiver role who could very well start at other schools, especially lower on the list. Washington state's a team. I mean, Johnson Mack had 35 catches last year, I think. Yeah. That, that's really impressive for your fourth guy. And last year, I think he was their sixth guy to have 35 catches. So, yes, a lot of it is the system. But when you get that far down on the depth chart, you're still getting that kind of production. It speaks to the overall talent level of the group. So I also had Washington State ranked there. They're, they're bred for it. I mean, those guys, um, they know that they have to do this from a productivity standpoint. So they have the ability to go anywhere and then uh, execute in, in, in the, the types of routes that they run. Seventh team off the draft board behind Washington State. I believe this is the team that you were considering for the sixth spot as well, and that's UCLA. The only other team who returns to all-conference honorable mention player in Darren Andrews. Andrews had 55 catches for 709 yards and four touchdowns last season. Jordan Lastly is also back. He had 41 catches for 620 yards and five touchdowns. And Eldridge Massington is that third guy, 20 catches, 285. No touchdowns for him last season. They do lose Ish Adams and Kenneth Walker but UCLA still has some pieces in place. It's not, you know, it's not a UCLA team that is loaded with versatile athletic playmakers who are super explosive, but these guys are solid. They catch the ball. They work the offense down the field. And if Josh Rosen is healthy again this season, I think that UCLA could, could take a step up because they'll have a better quarterback hitting these receivers. Definitely. I, I, that's exactly what, who I had in that next slot. I thought it was pretty easy between the two uh, and now you're getting down to the bottom yeah this is where the third tier starts I think yeah it's a pretty big cutoff uh to the eighth pick I, I went with Utah here 
Um, I, and, and again, part of that is uh, system related. I, I uh, they, they tend to have very functional mm-hmm. receivers. They, they lack some of the athleticism. Tim Patrick, um, he was kind of that had that uh, that big play component to their game, and others don't have it. But I think between Raylon Singleton, Damari Simpkins, and 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 Kyle Folks, they'll, they'll be. Uh, pretty pretty decent there, and they're never going to be. You, you're never going to have Utah in that top four or five at, at receiver, at least not um, since they've they've been in the Pac-12. But they they do have some solid, reliable players, and I think importantly, Kerry, it's underrated. They they have very good blockers, uh, typically mm-hmm. very fundamentally sound receivers. Uh, and so I think that they're going to be, I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Well-coached team there at Utah. And I think Ray Singleton is that next guy in line to take on the Tim Patrick type of role where probably not going to catch 60 passes, but he will be their number one guy. Singleton probably will have somewhere between 40 and 60 catches this year, 600, 800 yards, and just be the solid dependable receiver that Utah can go to. He's six foot three, 215 yards, and he looks like he's next in line for the Utes there. So you're taking Utah off the board with the eighth pick. And then I will take the Oregon Ducks on the strength of their top guy with the ninth pick. I like Oregon because of the presence of Charles Nelson. He had 52 catches for 454 yards last season, five touchdowns. And someone has to catch the ball for Justin Herbert this year. Oregon doesn't have a whole lot of depth at the wide receiver position. They lose a few guys, Dwayne Stanford, uh, most notably. Jalen Brown as well. He transferred out. But someone's got to catch it for uh, Justin Herbert. So why not Charles Nelson? I like his athleticism. I like his speed down the field. Dylan Mitchell appears to be their, uh, t- their next top returning guy. And he had two catches for nine yards last season. So it's it kind of shows where we are in this order. I, I thought about putting another team ahead of the ducks and you might do so, but I, I like Justin Herbert again. So I kind of slanted it toward the quarterback wide receiver duo there. I had Oregon ninth also. Okay. Um, I had, um, I have Stanford yep, tenth. That's that's who I considered. But but here's here's what that kind of says. Uh, it really indicates that we're not particularly high on Trent Irwin. No. Um, who you know? Remember, he was like the ASU Stanford recruit, and people thought he was going to play with Brady White. And one of the things we said about Trent Irwin at the time was he was a four-star, top 100 type player. One of the things that we said was, look, this is a guy who's going to be able to come in and play right away because he's a technician at the wide receiver position, but he's not the doesn't have the athletic upside to be like a really great weapon down the line necessarily. And so the fact that you know Irwin last year, thirty-seven catches, four hundred and forty-two yards, had a touchdown, but and you know he'll, he'll probably improve upon those numbers to some degree, even though their quarterback situation is sort of random, but um, but. Beyond that, they don't really have a whole lot uh, returning. Um, they have um, JJ, yeah, Arcega yeah, Whiteside, Arcega Whiteside, right? Um, who you know he he actually was decent when they got into scoring range last year, but tw- twenty four overall catches. I just don't see the athletic upside that that speed component. Uh, that that really would allow you to to have Stanford uh, uh, be higher, and that's going to make it tough on their overall offense because teams are going to defenses are going to really uh, pack it in against them and, and force them 
to beat them in, in man coverage on the perimeter. Big time loss for Stanford. I think one of the underrated receivers in the conference was Michael Rector just because of the way that they used him, and especially during the uh, Kevin Hogan days when Michael Rector was just getting going with that program. They they sent him on the deep threat like he was Cam Smith for ASU back in 2015 when Smith was at his best for the Sun Devils. So They had a lot of big-bodied, hybrid-type guys that could make plays you know, down the field as well um, and that we... I think is sort of missing from this team. Mm -hmm. So Stanford's your next pick off the board, and that leaves two teams left, Oregon State and Arizona. And I will take the Beavers, which a team that accomplished something, Chris, that frankly blew our minds. Oregon State had 13 uh, passing touchdowns last year, and no receiver had more than two touchdown receptions. Say that again? No receiver had more than two touchdown receptions for the Beavers last season. Is that a fact? <laughs> it is. They returned Seth Collins, former quarterback who transitioned to wide receiver. He's their top guy, 36 catches for 418 yards. Jordan Villeman, 21 catches, 253 yards. And then Timmy Hernandez is back as well, 19 catches for 241 yards. So there's good balance with the Beavers, but kind of like Stanford, there's not a whole lot of athletic upside there. We're not expecting significant leaps in production especially because their quarterback group is somewhat unfinished right now marcus mcmahon's their their top guy so we'll see where the beavers go but athletically it's not a team that's going to uh going to blow a whole lot of teams out of the water in the pac-12 yeah and we're definitely scraping the bottom of the barrel here um i had arizona ahead of oregon state but it was like you know a toss-up yeah, it was like who cares <laughs> yeah i mean you know, which which grizzly method would you prefer to die by oh, you know kind of a scenario uh arizona does have shun brown coming back he's a junior undersized player uh big yard per per catch average i think it was like by 18 yards um he had 29 catches last year for 521 yards um, and other than that they have a fifth year they have a, a, a true senior cam denson remember former uh, very highly regarded player out of Tucson, uh, South Point Catholic, who's balanced between defense and offense. And then other than that, they have just a kind of a couple other also ran type talents. It's it's um, there's not much there in, in the way of of uh, athleticism. And, and even with Sean Brown, he's a five foot eight guy, and 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 that's being generous. So so um, between Oregon State and Arizona, you don't have much in the way of talent. So to recap our wide receiver draft, I had the first overall pick. I took the Colorado Buffaloes. Chris endorsed that pick as well. Three guys for Colorado who really stand out. Shea Fields, Bryce Bobo, Devin Ross. Chris, Strong endorsement. Chris had the second overall pick. Washington headlined by Dante Pettis and Chico McClatcher. I took USC with the third pick. Deontay Burnett, Stephen Mitchell, the headliners for the Trojans. The fourth overall pick was Chris's. He took the Cal Bears, led by Demetrius Robertson and Melquise Stovall. Fifth pick, I took Arizona State, led by Nikhil Harry. Sixth pick, Chris took Washington State, led by Tavares Martin. Seventh pick, I took UCLA, led by Kenny Andrews, or what's Andrews' first name again? Is it? Uh, <laughs> it's not Kenny. It's not Kenny. Um, it's Darren Andrews. Darren Andrews. They, they lost Kenneth Walker. I mixed up those two names. Yeah. So. Uh, seventh was UCLA. Eighth was Utah, led by Ray Singleton. Ninth was Oregon, led by Charles Nelson. Tenth was Stanford and Trent Irwin. Eleventh was Oregon State and Seth Collins. And twelfth was Arizona, their top returning player, Shun Brown. Yeah, and um, and there's a huge chasm there between the top teams and then the the teams at the bottom, and and 
in this league, you're in order to finish in the top half of the conference, you're going to be able to have to throw the football. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that, that's uh, a kind of a bad sign, especially when you see us get into the tight ends. It's not like the teams that don't have great wide receivers are loaded at the tight end position. Yeah. Not, not too many teams in the conference are loaded at the tight end position this year. It's difficult for uh, pac 12 tight ends. There so. might only be one. Yeah. So we, we shall see Chris, it's your opportunity to kick off the draft with the tight ends. Let's get through this. Pretty pretty straightforward pick here going with USC. Um, again, you have um, they have the most uh, talent, Tyler Pettit or Petit. Yeah, I believe so. Tyler Petit, right? Uh, remember, ASU was the first school to offer him. Um, was kind of you know leaning toward ending up at ASU, and then he just blew up as a recruit. Um, you know, I think that he's got a lot more in store for him in the future. He just sort of only scratches the surface of what he can be. Daniel Imator Bebe, another kid that was out of Georgia ASU, offered him. He visited. Um, very talented. He, he's almost like a hybrid type of a player. Um, bigger bodied kid who can get out and run and, and move. I, I think that um, given what other teams lost in the league, this is clearly the number one tight end group. So to recap, USC has our top quarterback, top running backs, top tight end, and a top three receiver group. That's not bad, and that's why USC um, is always pegged at or near the top of the conference because they recruit such a high level. Second overall pick for the tight ends, I will take Utah off the board here on the strength of Evan Moai being one of the top returning tight ends in the conference. They've also got Harrison Hanley. Those two players combined for 34 receptions a season ago, just under 500 yards, but I really like Moai as a blocker. He was one of my favorite tight ends in the conference last year, as was Nate Iesi, who was an all-pack 12 performer at UCLA. The Bruins lose Iesi, but Utah keeps Moai, and that's why they have the second slot in uh, our tight end draft. Yeah, and I, I I had it between Utah and Stanford. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with I had Stanford ahead, but it was toss up. Dalton Schultz, twenty two catches, two hundred twenty two yards, had a touchdown. Um, Stanford's tight ends tend to be imposing blockers, bigger bodied guys. They do a good job again from a coaching standpoint. Fundamentally, uh, it could go either way there, but that was my pick. There was a string there when Jim Harbaugh took over, where you had like four straight Stanford tight ends go to the pros. And they're still living off the glory days at Stanford at that position. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my fourth pick in the draft behind the top three, I think this is where things start to get a little more challenging in terms of pegging tight ends. I went with Washington, led by Drew Sample, because he was an uh, honorable mention all-conference performer last season. Only had nine catches, but was respected for his blocking. And Washington also added Hunter Bryant, the number two tight end in the country. Yeah, I thought... Um and again, Washington knows what they're doing with the with this position group, and I'm sure that they have a chance to uh, get that true freshman uh, playing right away because he's six three, two forty. He's an athletic, bigger bodied kid, so that sort of made sense. Um, I was kind of between Washington and ASU actually. Yep. I'm, I'm I, I I like the potential obviously of JJ Wilson. It's something we've talked about a lot. We saw it last year. Three of his four catches were touchdowns a guy who can get out and run in in space. And I think he's a a playmaker. Um, You know, he's got to work on uh, being more flexible, being lean, uh, being a more well-rounded player and and a consistent worker. But uh, ASU coaches talked a lot about Tommy Hudson's development through spring football. I think Hudson's that bigger, uh, 
you know, type of a, a, a guy who can be a, a win the edge on the blocking for you, uh, help you when you max pro. Um, so I, I think I think the potential is good there for ASU. And just given what we see with the rest of this group, I, that was my pick. ASU, we had fifth in the wide receiver draft, and now we take them fifth in the tight end draft. J.J. Wilson, the top guy for the Sun Devils. I had UCLA next with uh, Austin Roberts coming back. They lose Nate Iesi, but if they're going to continue to uh, run a, a more pro-style scheme with their new offensive coordinator, Jed Fish, I believe, uh, under Jim Mora, then they're going to emphasize the tight end position. Austin Roberts was a good one last year as a backup to ISE. He had 15 catches for 261 yards, and I think he's more than capable of being a middle-of-the-conference producer. I That's where I had him uh, my next slot. Um, Arizona is going to be my pick. Yep, and this is really where things start to take a turn. There's Because there's like almost nothing yeah. in the way of returning productivity. Tre- <laughs> Trevor Wood, you know, probably this is a... Um, a proximity bias because I, you know, know him from as a high school recruit. I, he was a well-regarded player. Uh, he did have seven catches for 49 yards. So he actually had more production from, in terms of, you know, how much he was targeted and, and all that than, than anybody else that's, I think, remaining on this list and even more than JJ Wilson. But um, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I don't say it with confidence that he's the, the next best tight end or that's the next I best put him situation. Next. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any sort of uh, location bias or any of that with Trevor Wood, but okay. it's really the uh, the state of affairs in the Pac-12. The team that I had ranked eighth is Oregon State, and that's because of Noah Togai and all four of his catches that he had last year for 31 yards. Yeah. So Oregon State coming back with the eighth-ranked team. Uh, they've got three redshirt freshmen apparently competing at the tight but end position. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, no, you took Arizona seventh. Um, then <laughs> we go, went go U- through our U- order again. We went USC one, Utah two, Stanford three, Washington four, ASU five, UCLA six, Arizona seven, and I go Oregon State at eight. Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm now in trouble because we so we have the remaining teams would then be. Uh, Cal, Oregon, Colorado, Cal, Oregon, Colorado. Washington State. Okay, correct. I got it. There no, we go. I'm, I'm back on it. So I'm 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 gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Colorado next. Okay. And the only reason I am going with Colorado is, is again, I think tight end utilization over the years, even though they 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 you know obviously changed their offense last year and they went to a lot more air raid stuff. I think that they they still have that uh, that element to their game and the way that it's been, it's been taught when you look at some of these other teams, um, you know, Oregon, I, I don't have any really respect for their coaching. Um, previously, previously, uh, yes. you know, I think previously I, I didn't have a lot of respect for the way they were doing things and it wasn't like, um, you know, other than Pharaoh Brown, what did they really have there? Johnny Munt wasn't bad. Oh, actually that's true. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. He was, he was fine. Yeah. Well, they have a new new coaching staff there, so now you have to obviously assimilate to whatever they're doing. Um, you can't have Cal or Washington State, um, you know, ahead. So, <laughs> so you know, my pick is Colorado. They got uh, they got uh, Dylan Keeney, right? Yeah, he had a catch for Dylan Keeney and George Frazier. I don't even remember George. Neither Frazier. do I. Okay. So there you go. Uh, Colorado coming off the board at nine. I'll take Cal at 10 just to uh, show you the state of affairs for the Oregon Ducks right now. Uh, Cal at 10 with Malik McMorris, who I think is, uh, 
should look him up. And I think he's like six feet, 300 pounds as a tight end. 5'11", 310 pounds officially. Didn't they use him like a... Like a, like a fullback type. Yeah, fullback. Yeah, just goal line situations. He had two catches for 26 yards last season, two rushes for four yards, and a touchdown. So, you know, Malik McMorris, someone's, someone's got to show him some appreciation. Well, you'll have that in your playbook there. I will. I would, um, I'm yeah. a big fan of those plays. Sure. That's why Christian Hill is such a great blocking back for ASU. Did you end up with Christian Hill? Uh, yeah, I did. Jeez, you're loaded at that. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit self-conscious. Actually, about no, you did. You oh, did. I have yeah, the, yeah, yeah, you have ASU. I got JJ Wilson. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got, he's a throw in. Exactly. Christian Hill. Yeah. Okay. And JJ Wilson can blow you up. On, he, JJ Wilson can absolutely blow you up. Okay. So he can I, blow a lot of people. So up. I'm feeling a lot better now. Yeah. Um, and then what's left? Oregon and Washington State, one team oh, yeah. that actually has tight ends oh, yeah, on its yeah. roster and one team that I'm gonna doesn't. Go so, with, I'm going to go with Oregon. Okay, there obviously. you go. They, got, they, got, um, they lost their two top players, but, but they have three others that are two or three other guys on the roster. Jacob Breeland, Cam McCormick. really don't know anything about either one of them. <laughs> I just know that they are um, currently apparently still on the team. They are currently on the team, and that's much better than, uh, than what I'm stuck with at the 12th overall pick, which is just empty value. Washington State, no tight ends. Uh, you don't need any for Mike Leach's air raid system. I have warm bodies, and you have none. Exactly. So uh, I am stuck with uh, the boys from Pullman. Uh, who, who, I don't know what they, if they have even a tight end meeting room, any, anything devoted to tight ends up at Washington state. You think that but, they have it and it just, is, it just stays dormant. It's like empty. It depends. No, well actually, no, I don't because the new facility was built when Mike Leach was there. So yeah. he definitely didn't include that. There's, there's no tight end word anywhere no. <laughs> in their building. No. So to recap our tight end draft, Chris had the first overall pick went with USC. I followed that up with Utah. Then Chris took Stanford. I took Washington. Chris took Arizona State. I took UCLA. Chris took Arizona. I went with Oregon State. Then Colorado, Cal, Oregon, and Washington State rounded out our final four picks. Obviously, tight end is a position that is not necessarily a strength in the Pac-12, but... I think we can call it a weakness. Yes. I think we can... Obviously, you're probably going to have somebody emerge and end up mm-hmm. being a pretty good player from out of these guys that we don't really know much about because they didn't play much last year. Or maybe, you know, you have a, a scheme change or something. Uh, uh, you could see J.J. Wilson be, yeah. that, be that guy, I think, this year. But, um, but yeah, it's not, not a great group. And, um, but at the same time, if you strongly disagree or you think somebody's a sleeper, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So feel free to chime in, in, um, on the sanctuary. Absolutely. Next installment will be in the trenches. We'll be looking at the offensive and defensive lines in our next installment of our PAC 12 power rankings, which we're of course doing through this drafting process so that Chris and I can compare how we would go up against one another. If we were building our own teams in the PAC 12. And we of course love to hear your opinions, especially on the devil sanctuary board. We had some great discussions last week, especially when we broke things into tiers. We had people talking, about the the top tier of quarterbacks the second tier and the third tier and what you needed to really compete in the pac 12 i thought that turned into an interesting discussion on the devil sanctuary forum yeah i agree i am looking forward to uh seeing what people have to say about these things and the o-line d-line is where it's going to be really uh fun for me to actually go through it all right that will do it for this week's episode of the sun devil source report podcast we will be back next week thank you so much for tuning in